Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Everyone doing okay this morning? Good. Well, hey, welcome. Welcome to week two of Summer Reset. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Josh got us started off uh, with some reset when he was challenging us on on physical health and our physical environments that we're in. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about the mind. Uh, Are there things in our minds that we should be adding to or taking away um, to get us in a better headspace? Things that we might need to start doing differently here this summer uh, in our Summer Reset series. Uh, to set the stage for all of this, I, 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 I want to talk about a, my son in mowing the lawn uh, just a couple weeks ago. You know, uh, he's, he was nine years old last summer and begged me to learn to mow the lawn. I said, you got to wait till you're 10. And so this summer, he's, he's mowing the lawn, and I don't think he's super happy about it. <laughs> he's wondering why he was begging me to do it. But... You know, he's mowing the lawn. You know, he started on the side doing, you know, going back and forth, following that pattern. And then he, you know, he did the back and then he did the other side. And there's a lot of shade in that part of our, of our lawn. And so it wasn't a big deal. But when he gets to the front, you know, a lot of us have dry lawns. There's no shade there. And so he was going back and forth and he came to me. He's like, Dad, I can't, I can't see where I'm going. It doesn't look like I cut anything. Well, we had left the front for a while, and, and there's like blades of grass growing everywhere that had gone to seed, and these little clumps here and there. And so I said, you know what, Josiah, just go ahead and just hit the areas that you think, you know, that need it. Just drive however you want. And he's like, oh, okay. And his eyes got big. He said, okay. So he just starts going in circles, you know, kind of all over the... F- the, the front lawn. I'm sure it looked great to the neighbors as he was doing that. Uh, but <laughs> I found that our brains are really a lot like that as I watched him going around in circles, you know. And, and it's when we don't have healthy habits for our minds, when there's no framework, we find our thoughts just going in circles. The, our environments can affect that. Now, you might be in a good headspace when you are at, at home for instance. But when you get to work, it's just a whole nother ball game. It just, things can just pull at you and get you out of a good headspace. Or vice versa, when you're at work, things are, you know, you've got the structure of work, you know what to expect, but you get home into relationships and things get stressful. These different situations come upon us and we find that our minds may need a reset. And how do we reset the minds? It's by establishing some different habits. And really, there's, there's lots of different habits that you can use to reset your mind. But I'm going to give you three today. I'm going to give you three questions that have been go-tos for me for a long time now. And I'm going to look forward to sharing those with you. Uh, but before we do that, I want you to check out what Jesus reveals to us and how our thoughts work. We're going to look at Matthew 15, 19. Check this out. He he has a little secret for us here. It says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. Wow, that's a list. And if you got that going in your headspace, I think we can all agree that that is a mind in need of a reset, right? It's not even an exhaustive list. I mean, anger is not on there. Bitterness and unforgiveness isn't on there. Um, 
But there's a secret in there that Jesus shows us. Notice the source of the thoughts here. Let's take a look at it again. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Isn't that interesting? Out of our hearts come these thoughts. If you find that your mind needs a reset, then it's important to ask yourself the question, what's going on in my heart? Good luck (laughs) trying to reset the mind without giving your heart consideration. And so knowing this secret that Jesus gave us, we embrace the reset process by asking some good questions. That's what we want to do. And that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you three questions. And here's the first one. What does the heart reveal about my thoughts? It's a question I've asked myself for years. It's actually a question that I ask other people when I find myself in that position. It was a really hot summer day, probably a couple of years ago, when a contractor had come over to my house uh, during the summer, and, and he was going to give me a bid on some work. Uh, and he had told me that he needed to talk to me, and when we were done, he knew I was a minister. So I said, that's fine. And he did his bid, and he, he came in, and I poured him some lemonade, and we sat on our back porch. I said, so what's going on, man? Talk to me. He said, you know, I have an anger problem, and it's really affecting my marriage. I said, okay. I said, well, tell me, tell me what's, what's, what's like kind of one of the key triggers. He goes, oh, that's easy. He says, communication with my wife. She's so inconsiderate. She just doesn't communicate with me. You know, if I text her, uh, sometimes two, three, four texts, or if I try to call her, she just doesn't get back to me. I was like, well, give me an example how this plays out. He goes, I got a great example. I was on a fishing trip with my, with my kid up north, and we're a couple, couple hours up north, and, and we're fishing, and I text my wife, and, you know, and then I text her again, and then I call her, and four hours later, she never gets back to me. I got so mad, I packed up all the fishing ta- tackle, I canceled the trip, I drove all the way back home, and I walk in the front door, and she's sitting there in the family room, and I just let her have it. I was so mad. I'm like, how could you not get back to me? I was like, man, you canceled a fishing trip. That is drastic. Here's what I want to do with you right now. And I asked him, I said, can we look in your heart to find out what your heart reveals about your thoughts? Let's take a look in your heart. Here's my question. Why are you so anxious when she doesn't communicate? I'm like, are you really worried about her safety? Are you, are you thinking that, that she's not safe? Because you could just text someone and have them check on her. He's like, no, I'm really not worried about her safety. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I started asking more probing questions. Well, come to find out this is his second marriage. And his first wife ran off with somebody else, someone, else, someone that he actually knew. And that was very difficult, obviously, for him. So I said, okay, that's a game changer. So this is what I want to ask you. Do you really have an anger problem? Or when your wife doesn't get back to you, you're afraid she's being unfaithful and so that's making you fearful. And the fear in your heart is manifesting itself in anger. Because personally, I don't think you have an anger problem. I think you've got a fear problem. And this guy, big guy, Tattooed, just tough guy. He just breaks down crying in my porch. Just starts bawling. And he's like, I, I never heard that before. I never thought I was afraid of anything. Well, I was like, well, I think you are. You know, so why don't we just 
you know, hit the off switch on this, how much you value communication, because this guy had no idea. He had been telling himself how much he valued communication in his head, but he never looked into his heart to see what was going on. And when we did, we unearthed something, <laughs> something pretty important. So we agreed he was going to go back, ask his wife for forgiveness for putting all this pressure on her and admitting to her how fearful he is in his heart. And I said, what I want you to do is give her permission now. I want you to give her permission that when you start to get angry, she can ask you without some recourse from you, she can look at you and go, okay, you're getting angry. Is there fear in your heart right now? What's going on in your heart? You have to allow her to do that. Last I knew they were still married and they were doing okay. So this is amazing. When we look in our hearts, Jesus gave us the secret. And you can see why we value this question. You know, what's going on in my heart right now? And obviously, why do we ask the question, right? It's biblical and it's practical. Uh, when I was in high school, my, my, my brother Sandy sent me a note and he said, hey, I want you to read Psalm 139. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I read it and I liked it so much that I went ahead and uh, started reading every night before bed. Well, as I was reading Psalm 139 every night, something was unearthed to me. This whole idea of my heart and my thoughts being connected. And let's take a look and see what the psalmist reveals to us when we do this with the help of the Lord. It says in Psalm 139, 23 through 24, search me God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See, it's right there. Heart and thoughts all together. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Translation. <laughs> Search me, Lord. Reveal what's going on in my heart so I can get back into right thinking. Right? I would encourage you that whenever you pick in your heart, you always do it with the help of the Holy Spirit because he will show us what needs to be reset. And you just might discover something. You might discover something that I've discovered within myself. You might discover patterns, patterns forming in your life. I'll give you an example for me. I find that when I'm around certain people who have it like all together in certain areas of their life that I don't have it all together in, I'll find myself feeling insecure. Like for example, I just know some pretty amazing dads. Dads, one, one dad I know, he built, he built a bobsled in, in his backyard for his kids for like wintertime. I, I, I've never done that for my kids. I, I don't even know how to do that, you know? It's just amazing. You see that, you're like, oh my goodness, what an amazing dad. You know, I know dads that have, have coached their kids at how to, to tear apart an engine all the way down and, and, and rebuild it before they even have their driver's license. Like, I don't know how to do that. I, I wouldn't even know how to teach my kids that. And so I find that when I'm around people like that, I can, I, I just, I'm not in a good headspace. All of a sudden, I'm finding myself feeling a little bit insecure. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit in those moments, what, it, what he will do when I peek into my heart and I see what's going on, he will remind my heart of the truth, which will reset 
my thoughts. For example, I am a good dad, okay? I've, I've, I coached my kids in all their sports. Uh, I've sent them uh, to a good, a good Christian school growing up. Uh, I've taught them how to snow ski. I've, I, you know, I take them turkey hunting in New Glarus every year. Uh, I've taught them, uh, most importantly, faith in Christ, I have taught my kids how to reconcile. I have modeled what it looks like to what it, when you're wrong and how you make things right with people and the steps to take. And they're going to need that as they go through life. So I find when I remind my heart of these things, the truths through the Holy Spirit, I start getting in a better headspace. Because for whatever reason... When I'm not in a good headspace, I find myself thinking about what I'm not rather than who I am. Let me say that again. When I'm not in a good headspace, I find myself thinking about what I'm not rather than who I am. And I am in need of a reset. I've recognized that pattern in my life. And by battling with these patterns, I've learned that my mind is always pointing to something in my heart. Just every time. It's always happening. So I want to encourage you, when you want to get in a better headspace, ask yourself these questions. Is there fear going on in my heart? Is there some sort of insecurity going on in my heart? What's going on in my heart right now that I just feel like I need to be manipulative right now? Or, you know, why, what's going on in my heart if, why, that I feel like I need to try and embellish this story and try and impress this person? What's going on in my heart? All of these questions go back to the first question I asked. And that's what does my heart reveal about my thoughts, Right? So that's the first question. What does my heart reveal about my thoughts? Second question. I have found when my mind is in need of a reset is what does time reveal about my thoughts? Time. That's interesting. What does time have to do with me getting a reset? Well, Jesus had the secret for us when he talked about our hearts. Out of our hearts come thoughts, all the different thoughts. Moses has a secret as well about time. Let's take a look at it. And it's this. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, a limited amount of days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Why do we need God to teach us? Because we don't do it naturally for ourselves. In fact, we have these blasts of reality that we haven't been numbering our days very well that will come upon us. Now, have a sense of humor with me right now. I'm going to share a very significant story that happened in my life where this happened to me, this blast of reality that I had not done a good job of numbering my days. In the late 70s, my family used to sit and watch Charlie's Angels together, Okay. I know there's some other people that did that, right? Well, I was nine years old, and my favorite actress on there was Cheryl Ladd, all right? She took over, like, I think she jumped in season two for Farrah Fawcett when she left the show. And I, she was my favorite actress, okay? Well, my brother Jim, who's 11 years older than I am, he's 20 years old, bought me a Cheryl Ladd poster, okay? 
Believe me, my mother was thrilled when he bought that, you know. But I pinned that up on my wall, you know, because, you know, my brother gave it to me. And I know pinup can mean a lot of different things, too. But we're talking about a nine-year-old boy here, you know, with this favorite actress. And, you know, Charlie's Angels did what does or did what shows do. It run its course, you know, and, and uh, I don't even know what happened to the poster. I don't know where Cheryl Ladd went and I don't know where that poster went. Just over time, things just move on, you know, after around, it was like five or six seasons. Fast forward to probably eight or nine years ago. Carrie was gone one evening with the kids, and so I was left to fend for myself. And so I grabbed some leftovers, you know, out of the fridge, heated them up, set up a TV tray, turned on the remote, sat down, and within seconds, Cheryl Ladd came on in a menopause commercial. I screamed, no, Cheryl Ladd's in menopause? If there's ever a moment where I realized I had not done a good job numbering my days, it was right there with that TV tray choking on my dinner as I saw that commercial. We just don't count our days naturally. It's actually a lot like a credit card. You know, for some people, you know you have a limited amount of funds, but then you go and you use the credit card like you have an unlimited amount of funds. Or at least you have, you use it like you have more funds than you actually do. We do this with time. This is why Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days so we get wisdom and our head space. This is what we need to do. Now, I've, I have some crazy friends in my life. I don't know if you have friends like I do, and some of them are some real characters. Um, they love to joke about, all, about their unhealthy eating and living patterns. For example, I have a high school buddy that has, has a, a shirt that says, great beer bellies are not just born, they're made. You know, he has that shirt. Uh, I've got a, another buddy that had a bumper sticker that said, uh, I don't run. I don't run. And a really interesting thing happened when I was at my last job. It was during lunch, and I pulled out my lunch that Carrie had made for me, and it was a salad. And we had a group of guys that were sitting there, and they're, um, you know, we're going to have lunch together. It's just kind of like what we did every day at lunch. And so I, I put my, my salad down on the table, and I go to pull out my chair, and my friend saw it, goes, whoa, 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 get that thing away from me. That's like way too healthy for me. Just get that thing away from me. You know, they joke about this stuff all the time. And it's in their headspace and it's a big joke until the doctor tells them, you know, you need to change your lifestyle or you're going to die. Mind reset. Mind reset comes quick. And that's when that wisdom of Moses just kicks in. Because that person will go, oh man, and I've had friends say this, I, I, I don't want my wife to, to raise the kids without me. I got to make changes. I, I, I want to see my kids graduate. I want to I walk my daughter down the aisle. You know, I want to I see my grandkids born. I, I even want to help raise my grandkids. The wisdom of Moses kicks in in those moments and puts us in a completely different headspace. That's what time does. Interesting enough, though, time also helps us on the things that we need to lighten up about. 
all right? Here's what I mean. I've got a buddy um, who, who works for, uh, he builds Home Depots. And he always has a lot of pressure on him from executives as he does this job. Well, the crazy thing is, when things start to go crazy, he, he tells himself this. And he told me this a number of years ago, and I've been using it ever since. I'd like to tell you I use it more than I actually do. But when I remember, it's a blessing. He says, Michael, when things start getting crazy, I'll look and I'll go, you know what? In 24 hours, it's going to look different. 24 hours, it's going to look different. When I... Had to, uh, when we, my daughter just graduated an hour, did I say an hour? A year and a half ago, hour, sorry, a year and a half ago, uh, we were having a huge graduation party at our house. And, you know, there's like 80 to 100 people coming. So, so what do you do when you have 80 to 100 people coming to your house? You worry about the landscaping. You worry about the mulch. You worry about flowers planted here and every tulip and you just go crazy, you know. So the very last thing, because we were going to have tables set up in our driveway. The very last thing I was going to do is reseal my driveway because I want a nice, perfect black top. You know, when I put the, the tables down so it looked nice when everybody pulled up because we were going to be eating outside. Well, it's going to rain that day. And I get up early. I'm like, all right, I can beat the rain. I'll have time to dry and I'll reseal the driveway and it'll be fine, you know. Well, <laughs> I, I barely get done and it just starts downpouring. It washes everything off of my driveway. But the crazy thing is it leaves this like white powdery film on the whole driveway and it looked terrible. And I mean, it would have been better if I had not resealed it at all. It just looked horrible. And I'm out there trying to, to brush this like powder off with a hard bristle brush. It was so much work. And I said, you know what? Tomorrow before everyone gets here, I bet I can get up early. It's going to be sunny and I can reseal the driveway again. And he's like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to get over it. And I was like, oh, this looks terrible. And then all of a sudden my friend's words came into my head. You know what? 24 hours is going to look different. And that's exactly what happened. 24 hours and less than that even. I mean, the party was over and we had the best time. And we celebrated my daughter's graduation and tons of people came and it was amazing. And nobody said anything to me about my ugly driveway. <laughs> Not one thing. I might have brought it up. Is, is my, you know, I think my daughter brought it up a few times just to make fun of me. My dad's freaking out about the driveway, you know, kind of thing, right? But, you know, the cliche that you've heard does ring true. And what cliche is that? Life's too short. It's true. Life's too short to worry about some things. It's amazing how time resets us, whether it's in the short term, whether it's just with hours for a project, or the long term, when we're talking about the days of a lifetime, we ask the Holy Spirit to reset us and to teach us to number our days so we get a heart and a mind of wisdom in our headspace. I want to ask you a question. What if you've been given a year to live? That's not a morbid question. We have a limited number of days. What if you've been given a year to live? How would that reset your thinking? Would you, if, you're, if your mind was like my son's lawnmower, um, would you ditch going in circles and would you reevaluate your priorities? Fair question. And what would your priorities be? I mean, would you remain angry at that friend or that relative or that employee? 
Would it affect your spending? Would you stop spending money that you don't have to try to buy things you don't need to try to impress people that you may or may not even like? That does happen. Josh and I have an affinity, Pastor Josh and I have an affinity for motorcycles. And when I was talking to him about this, going through my message, I said, you know, you've wanted a motorcycle, and I have too. I almost bought a Harley a couple, couple months ago. Um, I said, 12 months to live, would you, buy, would you buy a bike? He said, no way. He said, that's something I'd be doing alone. Because if I had 12 months to live, I would, I would want to be with my family, you know? So it begs the question, if... If there's something that wouldn't be, if there's something you would not consider a priority if you had 12 months to live, should it be a priority now? Should it? That's a fair question. Do you want that to consume your thoughts? It's a good question because valuing one's time prioritizes one's thinking, right? It's a simple biblical concept. An amazing reset takes place in our headspace when we apply the concept of time to our thinking. So, we've covered a couple questions. What does the heart reveal that's going on in our thoughts? We asked about time. What does time reveal about our thoughts? I'm going to take you into the third question. And this is the one I struggle with. What do impulses say about my thinking? Impulses. Untrained, impulsive thoughts in my mind never lead me to Jesus, okay? Now, let's define what an impulse is first. Impulse is a sudden, strong, and unreflective desire to act on something. It's unreflective. In other words, impulses just tell me to go and to do without any reflection. That's what an impulse does. And when I find myself having those imaginations, I have to grab a hold of my go-to scripture over and over again, and it's casting down imaginations and every high thing, casting down imaginations and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I have to grab a hold of that scripture, and I do it daily. It's one of my go-to scriptures to capture that imagination and make it obedient to Christ. How do I do that? Well, first we repeat the scripture over and over and over again. The great thing about impulses, they have a short shelf life. If you just resist them initially, it's gonna go away. And when I resist an impulse, I step out of that unreflective go mode and I start reflecting. And when I start reflecting, I start telling myself no. Not only is this biblical, but it's also a science behind this. This is amazing. I saw an interview with a neurologist, and he was talking about the go and the no-go pathways of the brain. And he's saying that in the basal ganglia, I think is what it was called, of our brain, that we have these go and no-go pathways of our brain. Here's the deal, though. Because of the way society is, the way the world is, it's trained us to be impulsive, okay? It's go, 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 go. Grab at this. Pick this up. Watch that. Go. And we've overdeveloped the go function in our brain, and we've underdeveloped the no-go pathways in our brain. So what he does, he actually challenges himself like 20 times a day to say no. And that can be like to get out of his chair. He'll just say, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Or to grab a phone, no. To, to get a glass of water, no. To, to uh, I'm going to replay an argument in my head, no. He says, if I say no to myself and I let the urge pass, 
If it's important, it'll find its way back to me again. That's what'll happen. And it begs the question now, why is this important? Like, how is this going to benefit me? There's no thing. Well, this was the point of his interview. He says, if you do not exercise the no-go function in your brain, you are not in control. You're out of control. And what scripture tells us about control? It's one of the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. It takes self-control to cast down imaginations and make them obedient to Christ. I've struggled with this in my life. One of the things I do is I actually, from Monday to Friday, I, I don't eat sugar. It's one of my no-gos. That's how I exercise the no-go in my pathways in my brain. I have a tremendous weakness to chocolate, to home-baked cookies, you know, the ones that are made with love. Not the store-bought ones, but I'm talking about the home-baked goods. Man, that's tough for me. And I'd love to tell you that I crush it every week, but I don't. I felt like a house of cards last week. Three people here, very inconsiderately, decided to have birthdays. So they had ice cream cakes. It's Tuesday. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and have a slice. Well, ice cream's one of my weaknesses. And so you know what I did? I'm like, well, I fell off the wagon, and after the, the staff meeting was over, I went back, and I'm like, I might as well get another slice. You know, I'm, I'm already here. You know, what's one more, you know? Go, go, go. <laughs> so Wednesday, I had to re-kick all those no-go functions in my brain, right? This has value because I've learned that when I can control the little things in my life, I have the confidence when the big things come at me and those bigger temptations come. You will gain self-confidence. So I want to encourage you, say no to yourself 10 times a day. 10 times. When you, when you feel the urge to pick up your phone, just say no. You want to watch that TikTok video? Say, ah, no. When you want to text a friend, I, I'm just going to text, no. Right? I'm going to surf sports articles. No. Tell yourself no. Why? Well, you're going to be in a better headspace and more confident if you say no when you want to grab that junk food. When you say no, I'm not going to gossip about that person. When you say, no, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not going to say that in anger. When you're doing a project and you say no to distraction after distraction after distraction, you're going to be in a good headspace and you're going to be more confident. Telling ourselves no resets our headspace and puts us back into control. So let's go ahead and just take a moment and summarize the three questions. Can we do that as I wrap up for you? The three questions, what were they? What does the heart reveal about my thoughts? What does time reveal about my thoughts? And what do impulses reveal about my thoughts? These are questions I have to ask myself all the time. I'm going to close with a story about my daughter. Uh, we were pulling out of, she was five years old, and we were pulling out of our um, subdivision. And I asked her, I said, and I remember what it was. I said, Hannah, did you do what dad told you to do before we left the house? She said, yeah, dad, I did, I did. Yada, yada, yada. In translation, she's like, I did exactly what you told me to do, like a five-year-old would do it. And I was like, well, why, why'd you do it that way? Why didn't you do this, 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 and this? And which translation is like, why didn't you do it like a grown adult, you know? And she let me have it from the back seat. She goes, Dad, I'm only five years old and I don't much know stuff yet. 
that line is lived in Sandberg lore because, you know, when Carrie and I, we just get frustrated and we're, when we're adulting, we're trying to figure things out. We'll just look at each other and feel like, oh, you know what? I feel like I don't much know stuff yet. You know, and we're in our 50s. When you try to reset the mind and you try to get a handle on your thoughts, when you peek in your heart and you go, oh, what a mess. How did I let it become like this? I know better than this. When you feel like you're just wasting time and you've told yourself you're not going to and you do it anyway, you just feel like, man, I feel like I just, I don't much know stuff yet. And that's okay. Because we're all going to feel that way. Because I know when I have felt that way, the Lord has spoken to me. And he says, you know, Michael, here's what you need to know. You are never going to grow past the need for a reset. So as the resets come, God doesn't want us to get down on ourselves. He wants us to embrace them. Let's pray. Lord, I just so grateful for everybody here. So grateful for what you've taught us in your word, those little secret nuggets that you've shown us. And so, Lord, I just pray you'll put us all in a better headspace as we do this summer reset, that you would help us, Lord God, to look in our hearts when we're trying to get a better headspace, when we're, that we'll apply time, that you would really teach us to number our days, that we'll value our time. And when we need to lighten up, we'll just say, you know what? 24 hours is gonna look different. Life is too short. What am I worried about? Help us with the impulses, Lord. We don't want to live in an unreflective go mode over and over and over again. May the fruits of the spirit of self-control and love and joy and peace and patience and all the fruits of the spirit, may they just blossom in everyone here, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're always welcome here, but you're welcome in our hearts and minds as we go about our week. Teach us, guide us, show us. Lord, we love you and bless us until we see each other again next week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.